0: Hi guys, so it's no secret by now that I love me some Lena Dunham. I think she's humble, authentic, and an amazing artist. And as much as I love me some personal growth, wellness, spirituality, I also love pop culture too. And for a while, I wouldn't really allow myself that, or I viewed it as a waste of time or something wrong in a weird way. But I actually think it's really important to be balanced by the things going on in the world, and it's all the lens in which you view it in. You can find good in anything. So I love Tavi Gevinston and reading fiction and watching girls and I've talked about this a lot, but I love Lena Dunham's new book, her med- memoir, her advice book, Not That Kind of Girl. And I thought that I would, I wrote a blog post on this, but I thought I would just read you the reasons why I loved it before we get into this week's special episode that has a lot to do with that. So. Reason number one, it makes my journaling better because reading a memoir makes me more comfortable with writing in vivid detail about the seemingly insignificant events and happenings in my own life. Number two, by reading about the events and circumstances from Lena's life and childhood as someone from my generation, I can not only relate but use what she drew attention to as inspiration to acknowledge the events that have impacted me without me being aware. Number three, it makes me feel like I'm not alone in my weirdness, struggles, awkwardness, and imperfections, since someone else from my generation has vocalized what we all go through in our own unique ways. Number four, since she shared her story at the level of raw honesty that she does, It gives me permission and inspires me to share with that same level of authenticity too. Number five, she is talented at being extremely self-aware of the gravity of the situation she's having almost simultaneously to going through them. So clearly I enjoyed the book and today's episode I've invited my friend, your friend by now, she's come on the show so many times, and my mentor, Isabel Foxen Duke. She's back in Wonderland to talk about the food portion of Lena Dunham's book. So if you haven't read the book, you may not know this, but there's an entire chapter where Lena Dunham discusses body image and her struggles with body image, her relationship to food at length. She even includes food diaries. So don't, you know, shut off this episode if you haven't read the book. It doesn't matter if you've read the book, haven't read the book, want to book want to read the book, don't want to read it, never do. Really doesn't matter. We're just going to be talking about the way that bodies in general, people in general, and food is portrayed in the media and it's a really interesting conversation. Probably my favorite interview I've done ever. I'm going to actually definitely say that. So before we head over to that, I would love it if you'd leave me a review on iTunes. You guys know how to make that happen. You're smart people. Also, share this episode with a friend who loves girls or is an avid, you know, girls watcher, Lena Dunham fan, or just anyone who you know that it might help. Send it on over and consider donating to the podcast again you get different swag at different levels of donation that's all on my website but yeah if you really like the show um throw us a little bit to keep the lights on that would be really really cool so now over to my interview with Isabel fox and duke where duke where we go really deep into lena dunham the media body size it's awesome so over to that. Oh, and one more thing. I'm trying to manifest getting Lena Dunham herself on the show. So if you have any connections in that area or know how to make, it, make that happen for me, email me immediately. Welcome back, everyone. I am super psyched for the conversation I'm about to have with my mentor and friend, Isabel Fox and duke and I've literally been excited to talk about this with her for weeks now I've been looking forward to this day because we are talking about someone who we mutually love and I'm obsessed with, Lena Dunham. So ever since I read the body section of her book, I've been hounding you Isabel for your thoughts and opinions and just really wanna chat it out with you about this. So most of you already know this, but Isabel is my mentor, my friend, my emotional freedom from food guru. She's an expert in that space. She's a potty positive, I was gonna say potty. Positive body activist. Um and I'm just body image activist and I'm just so excited to talk to her today about this. So Let's dive into the into the book. So, the there's a chapter in her book um, called "Diet is a four letter word: How to remain ten pounds overweight by eating only health food." Mm. And even that sentence says so much about Lena and the book. And it's as usual; she's so honest and shares her food journals and her struggles with body image. And I heard her say in an interview that that chapter was the most difficult for her to write, more so than sharing her mental health issues, more so than sharing about sex, all of it. And she said because she didn't want to share these struggles with the concept of perfection and didn't want to put herself in, in that category, that so many women are in or have been in at one point or another in their lives. It's almost inevitable um, in the society we live in. So I would just love to start there with some of your initial gut reactions to that chapter of the book and kind of what you think it's going to do for the millions of people who are reading it or have read it.
1: Yeah, It's really funny that that original title, um, how to stay 10 pounds overweight eating exclusively health food or whatever she said. I mean, ultimately, and this was kind of my overall synthesis of the chapter, was that Lena Dunham has some really poignant little sound bites in this chapter that are incredibly meaningful and and for which the implications are huge that she doesn't even necessarily, I think, fully understand herself. Um, she just experiences them yeah, and she's, you know, she's kind of, she's explaining something that she's finding through her own personal experience without even necessarily like understanding like the science behind it or, you know, the social politics behind it totally fully, although she definitely certainly knows some of the social politics behind it and is more aware than your average actress for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but she, um, She'll throw out these sound bites of her experience that I mean seriously are like kind of they're huge deals that we like really need to be talking about in full and she'll just like throw kind of throw out a sentence that is like has just wild implications beyond what she even really goes into explicitly in the in the chapter itself right which I guess yeah. is appropriate for memoir style writing So that particular sentence is so interesting because obviously, I mean, what it really um, sort of uh, kind of highlights is like, A, you can be various different weights regardless of the types of foods you're eating or even how much you're eating. Um, You know, weight is a really, really complicated metric that isn't so straightforward always as calories in, calories out, or even how healthful you are, right? Like people can be healthful at a lot of different weights. So there's a lot of different implications just in that one sentence that I think are pretty interesting. And, and, um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of loved that.
0: Yeah. It's interesting what you said there about how she would just talk about her experience with the, these things that so many people can relate to. But then the commentary on it wasn't really there. She was just kind of putting it out there, which I think is, is helpful in a lot of ways because it makes people feel not alone and like, oh, okay, she deals with this and she's still really cool and, you know, that's great. But do you think there could be any detrimental effects of her being so real and putting out her calorie counts and her journals in in this way or do you think... For me, it was, it was helpful again, like I said, to not feel alone, but do you think it could go the other way? Um, I mean, I guess
1: theoretically, if somebody is like actively, I guess theoretically, like seeing somebody's calorie counting charts could be triggering for somebody who's fully in a compare and despair mode Mm -hmm. and absolutely not even looking for like the greater point of the chapter. That being said, I think that the way she describes it, she's pretty clear that she is being a crazy person around food and she's clear that she's feeling like a crazy person around food. It's obvious that she's not promoting or um, encouraging these behaviors like she is basically publicly condemning these behaviors in her own way. So, I mean, I, I would say that generally speaking, this chapter is not necessarily is not i don't i don't see it as being harmful so much i think it's definitely more on the positive side of things that being said i don't know how explicitly helpful it is either i think it's kind of neutral like she said she's not offering a lot of commentary she's not yeah. giving people resources for how to break out of this really she's not really explaining how to end the cycle you know i again i don't know anything about Lena Dunham's experience but like from reading this like I would have no reason to think that she's not like that this isn't still like somewhat of a struggle for her right like Mm -hmm. she's she's not coming at this from the angle of I was feeling this way and I broke out of this and I'm on the other side now and here's how you too you can too which I also really appreciated that she didn't come at it from that way because she's not really qualified to do that and I think she knows that and I think she's sensitive to that and she's Deciding to come at this book from the angle of I'm going to share my experience and help women not feel alone and bring attention to a massive cultural and social problem that's happening in the United States. But I also think that she would be it would be crossing a boundary in some ways. I think that it would be um, kind of ethically like irresponsible for her to be claiming to have the quote answer for it herself. Um, so I think it's good that, you know, in some ways I'm glad she didn't offer an answer that may be problematic, right? If you're not qualified in offering an answer, don't offer one. Um, that being said, she did not offer an answer necessarily. So it's not like reading this book is necessarily going to, you know, help you overcome, you know, your food issues. Um, but what she's doing and what I respect her for is bringing, just bringing awareness to the issue and making people realize like how common this is and how this affects women of pretty much all sizes, women all along the weight spectrum. You do not need to be 90 pounds to have an eating disorder.
0: Yeah. I love, love, love that she, the awareness piece I think is so helpful. And it's very clear in the um, commentary in the, if you read the entirety of the food journals, like one time she ends up in the hospital from laxative tea. And then the very last one depicts a binge, you know, basically like the last line of it is, and their commentary on that one is, and then I ate all of the things. So it's clearly a binge. So I think, um, I, and even I said to you in a text when I was reading it, like, I wish that, Isabel Fox and Duke was interjected in there as, like, a sidebar of, okay, this is what she goes going through her head. This is how she kind of came out of it. And that that expert kind of came in to take the memoir to be a self-help healing book, you know?
1: I would love, <laughs> I would absolutely love to, like, sit down and have a conversation with Lena Dunham about, like, how the both of us could use our powers for extra good And, like, really give people solution to this as opposed to just awareness. Although, again, mad respect to Lena Dunham for creating awareness, which is what she's really capable of doing given her position.
0: Well, let's just put that out there to the universe, to the internet, to the YouTube. Lena Dunham, if you're listening, work with Isabel. Let's make this happen because I think it would be awesome. I've been manifesting it in my mind for a while now. Mm-hmm. So, um <laughs> Yeah. It's it's gonna happen. Tw- yeah. in the new year. Um another thing she she says in there, um, and it's it's interesting you said, you know, in the book she doesn't really claim to have gotten to the other side or really put much commentary around that at all. However, I have seen in interviews and in some of her book trailers, she does talk a bit more about Really loving her body and being very body positive and kind of, yes, talking about coming on the other side. And I heard her say in an interview, um, some of the things that she credits with shifting out of that very obsessive, crazy around food journal entries that she talked about in the book were being too busy to count every almond and having an amazing boyfriend. And that was really helpful for her. So, Um, And I've seen that in a lot of the cases with people that I've worked with and friends of mine who have been very orthorexic but then a and crazy around food and then a boyfriend or a romantic relationship does really help shift them out of that because they're like, all right, I'm so into this, I can't do that anymore. Um, Do you think that that's a valid way to, to shift out of this? And do you think it sends a message that that might be, one of the only ways to shift out of it through a romantic relationship? Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of like the caveat there, is that that's certainly not the only way, nor is it a guarantee. I mean, I think that ultimately what she's saying is sort of like, I started to get my self-esteem hits from other shit. You know, like, I started to feel good about myself because of the work I was producing and because I was receiving love from another human being that I found sexy and that I respected. So, I mean, yes, those things, like, help you sort of change your self-image, right? body image and just general self-image are very, very highly linked and related. Um, however, you can have an awesome career, have an awesome boyfriend, and still struggle with body image stuff very deeply. A lot of my clients fall into that category. Mm-hmm. And you can be single and unemployed and love your body. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's not really um, sure those things can be helpful, um, and I think those things are often helpful for people struggling with body image issues for reasons that are pretty straightforward and obvious, right? Like if your self-esteem is being built up in other ways that you deem important, then that's going to just help your general like sense of self and just general confidence overall. Also, I think a lot of the reason women want to be thin to begin with is because they think thinness will mean getting them the great job or the boyfriend, right? Getting them the, yes. you know, entertainment career and the relationship. Um, and basically what Lena's experienced is, oh, I actually don't need to be thin in order to get those things, which is incredibly empowering. Um, also, I think I just want to point out, like, because I feel like we don't really talk about this too, you know, I certainly don't talk about this too much um, with people, but I think it's super important is that, Lena also makes it very clear, like, she was actually pretty body positive before she fell into that really crazy eating disorder um, period of her life post-college. You know, she describes herself as a pot-bellied riot girl Mm -hmm. in college um, and a person who ran around fully owning her body as sort of like a feminist, uh, you know, position for a really long time before she even – Became, you know, started like counting almonds as she says. Yeah. Um, and I think that's sort of like a good reminder of like the, she, I think is it sort of this, um, this pressure and this desire to use weight control as a means of attaining social status really can happen to anyone at any time, depending on what's going on in their life and sort of where, what sort of social influences are, happening to them and around them at any given moment. Um, so I just thought that that was really interesting as like the idea that like you actually can really love your body and like feel really good about your body and sort of fall back into that behavior or fall into it for the first time um, if you're triggered by something culturally or emotionally or whatever. Um, and I think we just have to be like aware and conscious of that possibility so we don't so we can kind of protect ourselves from those pitfalls.
0: Yeah, I love the positive example of that that she gives, which is, you know, to you can have all of these things and be any size. I love that she's a positive example for that. And then um, going off what you said there about how she was pretty relatively body positive and then came out of it and then kind of went back into it. There's a line in the book, and I don't remember what it is exactly, but basically she says um, – that she'll never approach food in the same guiltless free way that she did in college after working with a nutritionist. And she looks back on those days fondly. Um, but she thinks, you know, she'll never be able to get back there. Do you agree with that? Or do you think it's possible to get back to that intuitive way, guiltless way of being around food?
1: I do think that it's possible, so I'm going to go ahead and disagree with her there. Um, you know, I've experienced that. That be, you know, I've experienced like feeling like I can't. First of all, I'm going to back up for a second. I really, really appreciated her saying that because basically, what she's saying is like once you know information and are conscious of information, it's very hard to unknow it. Yeah, and it's one of the hardest things for women to sort of like grapple with and sort of one of the hardest things that women struggle with when they're kind of coming out of dieting is I literally can't not know how many calories are in a slice of pizza or how many calories are in an apple or how many calories are in a piece of cheese or whatever, because like I just know this information. It's like knowing a language. It's like, how can you not, when people say a lot of my clients struggle to not count calories in quotes, because when they see food, they see calories. It's like when I look at a piece of bread, I see a hundred calories. That's just like what I fucking see. That's how I think about the world. That's how I experience life. Yeah. right. And how can I change that? And that's how I used to be. I used to not be able to look at any foods without seeing numbers. Like I just translate I may, I translated the visual experience of food into numbers in my head in a quasi automatic fashion like it was kind of out of my control at that point um and yeah i do think that you can actually break out of that i think it takes time i think it takes time to um start to sort of just develop a new habitual way of thinking a new pattern of thinking right like i don't look at food I, when i look at foods today i don't see calories at all like i see like how's that going to make me feel? Is that going to make me full? Is that going to make me sick? Is that going to make me feel good? You know, that's sort of how I look at food today. But I've trained myself into that, right? Like, I've been practicing looking at foods that way for a really long time. And also, I'm very conscious of, like, when I was first getting – when I was first making the transition, every time I would notice myself counting calories almost without my permission, right? Like, counting calories or being aware of, like, some specific, like – nutrition facts without my permission I would literally stop myself like oh my god stop like think about anything else like think about something other than food right now like just don't go into that thinking pattern but and and there's sort of a lot of ways that that can be done and a lot of ways that that can be handled I do think that people can redevelop their sort of carefree attitude with food um but I do think it takes practice and I do think it takes some level of like commitment and work um that I'm not sure that you know Lena was like fully aware of or doing when she when she wrote that book. Maybe she maybe she was and she just hadn't sort of arrived at that yet. But it is it I would have to say that I do believe it's possible, but I, I think that it it requires it requires a specific awareness and, and um and way of reteaching yourself to think about food.
0: Yeah. I wanna highlight what you the practical tip you gave there about because I know for myself this is something that I deal with and and struggle with. Like if I do go to that place of counting calories or, you know, counting health benefits or something like that, doing that exactly piece of work that you said of just shifting and thinking about something else immediately and just being like, that was silly. I'm back. You know, Oh, you just did your old thing again. Now is the time to change. And I, I love that tip. And I would, I would bet that Lena finds herself doing that now, you know, I bet when she wrote this book was probably, you know, the publishing process takes so long. It was probably a couple years ago, at least. And, um, you know, that part of the book at least. And so she probably now, you know, same thing is like that's silly. I don't have time to deal with that. I'm going to think about HBO and the Emmys <laughs> or something else? Yeah, um, totally. So I, I love that. And, and so shifting a little bit about, All of that, all of the things that Lena does um, to society through how she portrays herself um, in the media. Why is it so important? And you've spoken about this. I've heard you speak about this before. But why is it so groundbreaking what she's doing, especially um, for the medium-sized woman? And could you talk a little bit about the medium-sized woman in, in Hollywood?
1: Uh, yeah, so basically in Hollywood, there's really only been historically two sizes that are represented in any sort of capacity. Obviously, you're just straight sized, uh, traditionally thin, traditionally perfect bodied, uh, actress or actor who's usually playing, um, the sort of key actual key roles of interest where these people actually have personalities and characteristics of their own and they're not defined by their bodies. The other role that we see a specific body types playing is we do see occasionally, we do see fat people in the media. So we're talking about like plus size and beyond, like explicitly plus sized or beyond um, who are... Uh, very much pigeonholed as being fat and being fat as part of their character, meaning regardless of who they are in that particular film or movie, being fat is like a specific identifying marker. It's usually discussed um, as part of their role in the film. In some capacity, it's brought up, it's mentioned, And there's, you know, in in the trailer for Fatitude, which is a documentary about this topic that hasn't yet come out, but the trailer's out, and the trailer's very interesting in and of itself, Um, one of the experts and speakers in that trailer basically talks about, you know, we see, like, a few different roles for fat women that are common, things like, you know, the fat best friend who isn't getting the guy, but who just plays sort of like a supportive role to the thin main character who's experiencing all the romantic drama, um, we see, uh, you know, fat, fat people in general just being pigeonholed into specific kinds of character roles associated with fat bodies on, in a very sort of discriminatory fashion um, and biased fashion. So what Lena Dunham is doing is basically she has just completely broken out of various molds. First of all, Lena Dunham is not um, her body type is sort of in the, is sort of in the middle. She's a medium sized woman. She's not. Um, the obviously fat character who needs to be talking about her fat all the time um, in order for audiences to kind of quote, accept her. Um, but she also is not thin. Um, she certainly talks about this occasionally in the show. This is something that comes up as part of her experience of living is like sort of like what it is, what it means to not have the stereotypically perfect body Um, but also, you know, she's certainly not, um, characterized by her body either necessarily. She sort of like is in this like gray area. Um, and she is, so she's sort of like, which I think is a lot of women's experience, right? Like most women fall kind of in that category. Um, and she, What's interesting about her as a medium-sized woman also is that she is a main character. She is a primary character. She's the star of the show. She's not... um, She's certainly you know, which is different than a lot of like actual fat characters are portrayed in movies. Fat characters are almost always character actors. They're never like the lead role. Almost never. Um, So there's a lot of different things that Lena Dunham is doing just by being herself in Hollywood and not forcing herself to be one or the other. You know, I hear a lot of like, there's there's this new um, sort of uh, trend in the modeling world for like natural models or curve models. And basically these models are models who don't fit into straight size modeling opportunities. And they also don't fit into plus size modeling opportunities. They're kind of in the middle. And there's this whole trend of like, I exist too. Like, can't I have a body that's not plus size and also not a size two? Um, and I think Lena Dunham is sort of, in some ways, part of that trend. I mean, this is a, this is a huge conversation. Like, <laughs> I could, I mean, I feel like I'm just kind of rolling off the bat right yeah. now. I could talk about this for a really long time. There's, there's a lot of things going on with, um, sort of the implications of what Lena Dunham is doing totally without even trying. And I want to say that I don't know if Lena Dunham is explicitly making yeah. a statement yeah. about what it means to be a medium-sized woman or like, You know, is she explicitly trying to make a statement about body image necessarily in her depicting Hannah on girls? I don't think she necessarily is. I think she's just, by being herself, breaking a lot of molds that Hollywood pigeonholes women into. And in doing so, she's sort of highlighting how aggressively kind of sexist and just sizist Hollywood in general is, which obviously a lot of actors, female actors, are are talking about in... um, greater and greater degree as time goes on.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what why it's so effective, because it's not intentional. And I think that that's really beautiful. And there's probably one of my favorite lines from the book. Um, again, I'm not quoting it exactly, but she's talking about showing her body in sex scenes and just being so open with that and, and showing sex in a different way, which, again, is a whole different conversation, but not the type of like romantic comedy way of showing it or the porn way of showing it but way more real and there's a beautiful line where I think she's on a college campus and some like skinny super skinny teenage guy is like thank you so much for showing your body like this it makes me feel better about mine and she was just like yeah that you're welcome and I think that that's just a really beautiful message to take away from this and I think um all of what you shared Isabel was really awesome and I guess my last question for you um, would just be, how can people walk away from this um, just a little bit more aware and aware of, you know, female comedians talking about weight and body image, and a lot of times that's self-deprecating. And, and you've said before that um, that's just a product of their environment and it's their experience in society, so they might not be super body positive, but at least they're They're talking about it. And you've said before, too, that using humor in your own life can be really helpful with that. So can you leave people with just a little bit of how to kind of walk away from this conversation a bit more aware of what they see on Girls or the Mindy Project or anything kind of in society? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that that's really the role that ho- that's most appropriate for Hollywood is, you know, these people aren't necessarily supposed to be held with the task of fixing the world, in quotes, but they are sort of taking the first step in doing that by bringing these issues to the attention of the public and sort of making them just some sort of really, ident- they're helping identify the problem, right? They are not therapists. They are not coaches. They are not, um, activists by actual trade. Like they're just, you know, performers and actors and artists, you know, they're artists really. Entertainers. And entertainers. yeah, they're artists and entertainers. And I think that their job is to, they're really more about like I wouldn't even say cultural critique so much as just sort of like a cultural mirroring, right. And sort of, um, synthesizing what they see and what they experiencing experience and making it visible to the public. Right. I think that that's another really big issue is like, when you think about how many women are struggling with these issues, it's not mirrored. It's not made public. Most women are struggling with this in silence and shame Mm -hmm. And um what these women are doing is sort of lifting the curtain a little bit um and sort of demonstrating and showing what's really going on in the trenches um and how they experience it, which may often include their own internalized fatphobia in quotes, their own internalized weight bias, their own internalized discriminatory points of view. And I don't necessarily hold them against that. I mean, hold that against them. I think sometimes it can be problematic, obviously, when when we when we start to think of them as people who are um, models of behavior, or when we start to think of actors as sort of showing us the way of how we should be. That's not what actors really, I think, in my opinion, is the role of actors, right? Like that's the role of like true sort of author- I mean, I don't know if it's the role of anyone really, to be honest. I don't know if anyone should look at any other human being and say, I want to be like that. But these people are certainly not Claiming to, I hope, and I don't think Lena is at all, are not claiming to be necessarily um, models of how other women should be acting or should be feeling. They're just sort of bringing attention to the situation by talking about their experience as women living in bodies in a culture that is incredibly aggressively shaming towards women who have bodies um so uh, yeah so that's sort of my my take on that is i i don't think that we should necessarily be looking at you know self-deprecating humor that women make around body image issues as um, as a, as modeling um i think what they're doing is a helping women feel not alone in those feelings but more importantly they're just making visible a problem that is generally being hidden by a you know giant curtain, and most women are experiencing silently in their closets.
0: Yeah, I think that that piece is wonderful about what they do and the awareness that they're bringing to these issues. But just to keep in mind that, firstly, they're entertainers and they're just role models by default because they're public. So right, I it's think- hard. It's
1: hard, and I think Lena Dunham's talked about this in the interviews. It's hard that it's hard for an entertainer to. Uh, really grapple with and live up to the expectation of being a role model by default yeah Lena Dunham says she's very conscious of the fact that she's a role model by default, and she tries to do her best to be a positive role model for women. At the same time, you know, these people are not authority figures on body image issues. They're not authority figures on eating disorders. They're not authority figures on how to overcome your food issues. And they're they're definitely not going to do it perfectly, if at all. Yeah. Um, so I think that we need to stop that. I mean... It's hard because I think, yes, people are going to look at celebrities and see role models because that's just what they see being modeled to them, period. That's the only thing they see being modeled to them. That's why women feel the pressure to be thin because they see all of these sort of like, you know, really successful women all looking one specific way. And so that is just being modeled to them. And they want to be like that, like you said, by default. Um, But I think Lena would probably agree with me based on what I've seen in her interviews that that's um, a challenging position to be in and not one that any entertainer is really capable of doing perfectly. I mean, if, if at all, I mean, that's not why they were hired. They weren't hired to be role models for women. They were hired to be, like you said, entertaining and just, you know, appealing on camera and, and, and good artists.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's what they signed up for, not, not the other piece. And I think there's also a line in, in the book where she says that, you know, purely by being different than the norm she gets more attention for that and she says like people wouldn't be asking what it's like to show your body like that to Blake Lively but they do to her because it's it's different and I think that the the best thing that she's doing for society is showing that there's another way showing some a different type of body type being successful having love having all of these accolades and I think that's really beautiful so
1: oh agreed off
0: to Lena
1: Totally agreed. I mean, as far as role model, I don't, I, I really wish that we could start to veer away from thinking as celebrities as role models in general. Because again, I don't think they're like necessarily qualified or equipped to like, you know, hold up to that expectation. That being said, on the spectrum of, you know, celebrities, I think Lena Dunham is doing a pretty fucking awesome job at, uh, giving women something positive to, um, live up to just by being herself on camera and in her life. She might not be doing that perfectly on the body positive side or on the food side or on any particular social side. Um, But overall, I think that she's doing a really, really great job of just letting women feel like it's okay to be yourself, period. And that's what Lena's doing.
0: Yeah, she sure is. So hats off to her. And hopefully in the next video, maybe I'll be interviewing you both side by side and we'll all be hanging out let's manifest that right
1: manifest yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much isabel thank you to everyone for watching and hopefully this is just a little helpful commentary to the stuff that you've been watching and reading Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.